Each year, more than 12 million people will hear the same three devastating words. You have cancer. I'm Lee Silverstein, a survivor of pediatric kidney cancer and stage four colon cancer. My amazing wife, Linda, has taught me that we have cancer because every one of us is affected by it in some way. Survivors, family, friends, and medical and support team members. And we all have a story worth telling. Welcome to We Have Cancer. Welcome to episode 134 of We Have Cancer. Thank you so much for joining me. Before I get to this week's episode, I owe our listeners a debt of gratitude and my heartfelt thanks. Many of you voted for me. Few people not actually nominated me for the WeGo Health Patient Leader Awards. And there were 15 categories. I was fortunate to be nominated in several. They received 6,000 nominations across these 15 categories and selected five finalists in each of the 15 categories. So the 6,000 were narrowed down to 75 people. Within the podcast category, there were over 60 nominations. And because of your support, the We Have Cancer show was chosen as one of the top five finalists for this prestigious award. The finalists will be selected by a judging panel and announced this coming Thursday evening, which is on September the 18th, 2019. And the winner of each of the 15 categories will be flown to Las Vegas, Nevada at the end of October to be recognized at a big health care conference. And fingers crossed that the, the We Have Cancer show gets to be the winner. But whether we do or we don't, the fact that uh, the listeners of the show nominated me and supported the work that we've done these last four and a half years absolutely means the world to me, to my wife, Linda, and we thank you. My guest this week is Janet Fanaki. Janet created the website Resilient People. You can find it at resilientpeople.ca. And she did this after her husband was diagnosed with glioblastoma, an aggressive form of brain cancer. Really inspiring conversation, and I know you're going to enjoy this one. So join me now for my conversation with Janet Fanaki. Janet, welcome to the podcast. Really appreciate you reaching out to me, offering to share your story, and I'm excited to talk to you today. Hi, Lee. It's so nice to be with you today. I really appreciate the opportunity. So I want to jump right in, and, and the first thing that caught my attention was, you know, you shared with me that, you know, you've been the caregiver for your husband who's dealt with glioblastoma, but you created this website called resilientpeople.ca, all about sharing the stories of other people. And my first reaction was, oh my goodness, this woman is dealing with something so you know, major in your life. And my wife always says the same things, you know, and nobody knows what it's like to be a caregiver except for a, for a caregiver. 
And here you are being a caregiver and your inclination is to jump in and, and start, you know, helping others and sharing the stories of other people. Where did that, where did that come from? Oh my gosh. I, I think I could point to every woman in my family. You know, they would, they would be the first people that I would identify as, you know, they would have a big problem, but the first thing that they would be doing would be helping somebody else. But it, it's not that, you know, the website was a deflection of anything that I was trying to avoid doing in my own life. It just because for for sure, I was very present with my husband and with my children and with, you know, our extended family, you know, just as your wife would appreciate, you know, the caregiver isn't just helping the patient, they're kind of helping everybody through the through the process. But absolutely, you know, I think that for me, I have a public relations background and, you know, PR is all about telling stories and sharing them. And, you know, all the time that my husband and I were sitting in the waiting rooms, you know, just waiting for treatments or waiting to, you know, get news of, you know, next steps. I often looked around me and he and I were often together and we're very lucky to have a very strong support network, friends, family, our medical team. So, but I would look around and the cancer centers, at least the one that we were a part of, they're busy places. And there are a lot of people that are there by themselves. And those were the ones that would, you know, catch my attention. And I'd often think to myself, so what are you doing to kind of stay strong and what's keeping you going, you know, day after day with this, it's tough, it's really tough. And so kind of taking a step back and thinking, well, you know, maybe, you know, all those years of storytelling and, you know, doing it for, you know, services and products and what have you, I kind of thought, you know, maybe there's something to be said about, you know, sharing stories of people that have gone through something really major, and helping other people to see that you can do it, you can get through it. But, you know, and here are some examples of people that have gone through something very difficult. So I was hoping to build a community from that. And part of it was starting off as being a cathartic experience for me, because I just wanted to extend my own support network. And but I, I'm hoping that I can help other people through it, too. So you said, you know, everybody has a story to tell. So tell us your story. And your husband's story. Yeah. So back in 2016, so my husband and I, let me just take a step back from that. We share the same birthday. So same day, oh same year. Oh my goodness. Wow. Mm -hmm. ah. Yeah. So that usually stops people right there. So we were both 47 and, you know, it was, it was the summer and, you know, having a great time with the kids and, you know, gone for a couple of trips and we were getting ready. He, you know, he was showing some signs of just unusual behavior and nothing that was really, you know, alarming, but just different. And so we were getting ready. Actually, we got invited to go to the U S open and it was our first time going down and we were just a couple of days off from that. And he had said that, you know, he wanted to get some of his unusual symptoms checked out, you know, it's something a little bit, you know, his hearing wasn't right. And so, he went in for a couple of doctor's appointments and then that led to getting a CT scan and getting an MRI, which, you know, most people would know when you're being sent in for an MRI after you've had a CT, it's not usually good news. So I was at the shopping mall with the kids, just getting a few things for back to school and then for the trip. And 
I broke down into tears when he told me that he was getting an MRI and he said, you know, they think they see something. And I couldn't even think of what that might be. But just him saying that just, it, it just got me. And so I quickly got the kids. We hopped in the car, went back home. I packed up an overnight bag for him. And then I headed down to the hospital and on my way down there, he called me again and he told me what the doctor had told him, which you know, him getting the news by himself, I was a little bit upset about that. But regardless, you know, he wanted to know if I wanted to know, or if I wanted to wait till I got down there. And I said, No, tell me now. And so he said, it's it's a terminal brain tumor. And so he started to cry, I started to cry. And it was it was the worst news I think I could have imagined. But I, you know, I dried my tears, I took a deep breath. And I said, I'm still coming down. So I drove down and, you know, when I saw him, so, you know, we hugged. And the first thing that I said to him was, you know what, we're just going to get the best team we can around us. We're going to get the best doctor. We're going to get the best nurses and we're going to deal with this. We know what it is now. Let's just deal with it. And from that point, we just made it our resolve to just keep our eyes forward and stay positive. And, you know, we did get the best people, I would say in Canada to help him. And so that was the start of our journey. It was difficult to say the least. Oh, I'm sure. And what was the treatment that was prescribed for him? So he, when the surgeon came to see us the next day, he, he said that we would be doing surgery and he would be scheduled two weeks from that day, which I thought, whoa. And he said, you know, that's really quick. And I, me not being a medical person, I looked at him and I said, that's quick. (laughs) (laughs) It's all about perspective, right? (laughs) Right. So he said, yeah, no, that's, that's quick. So, but we've got a lot to do before that. So, you know, he had MRI mapping done and, you know, just meeting with the radiologist and with our radonc as well. And so, yeah, there were a lot of steps leading up to the surgery. So the surgery was first and he had a full craniotomy. So if anyone has experienced that or knows someone, or maybe if you don't, it's basically where they take, they do a big cut to a big portion of your scalp and they do the surgery. So afterwards he had, I I'm guessing now, I think it was around 47 staples in his scalp. And so for, for something that we couldn't see ahead of that, it was glaring us in the eyes afterwards. And so, you know, your perspective is one way only hours before that. And then afterwards, when you're seeing all these staples and the bandages, and it it's completely different. And I think that was really the moment where I thought, okay, this is this is really, really bad. And so, but then, you know, he had eight weeks of healing following that. And then we started the radiation and chemotherapy, which was oral for, I think it was another eight weeks after that. And then there was a little break and then it was chemotherapy after that. There's a standardized program for glioblastoma. So, and everyone who experiences it for the first time generally goes through the same plan. I see. So fast forward to today, how's he doing? Good. He's working. We've gone on some trips. He's healthy. He's exercising. This was a diagnosis that was 
an average life expectancy of about a year to 14 months. And he's now been clear for over two and a half years. So we're grateful every day and we don't take anything for granted. But yeah, so already he's beat the odds and we're very, very, I I don't want to say happy, but we're very grateful. Grateful. I get it. I get it. And that, that is wonderful news. So I'm celebrating with you and you know, I, I get that you celebrate every day. Certainly. Be sure to stick around to the end of this episode to learn how you can get your rear in gear. So you're sitting in the, in these appointments and you're, you're observing other people. And it's funny. I make the same, you know, I see the same thing at the cancer center down here. It's like when I'm looking at the line to valet park, you know, wrapped around the block and I'm like, Oh my goodness, all of these people are here because of cancer. It really does stop you. But you did something with that, you know, in creating resilient people. And as I looked at your site, you talk about that the the mission is to, you know, inspire people to get out of their ruts, find a purpose to their pain and move forward. What do you mean by get out of their ruts? You know, I've met some people where they just take a challenge and they say, okay, here it is. Let's just deal with it. Similar to the way that we dealt with it. But then, you know, there were a lot of people who I would meet or, you know, people that I knew. And the first thing that they would say to me is, I don't know how you're dealing with this. There's no way that I could deal with this. And, you know, some of those people, you sort of think, ah, come on, you know, you could deal with it. But I know for a fact that there were some people that wouldn't be able to deal with it. And so I think my mission became to reach out to those types of people to say, you know, I mean, ideally what I would love to to have in my site is an example of everybody, you know, that you could possibly imagine that, you know, would have a, a problem that maybe you could identify with. But uh, it, it's just a way for, you know, getting a hold of those people and showing them that, look, you know, there are people that have gone through things that are 20 times harder than whatever you're dealing with. And you can do it. You just have to set your mind in a different way. Where do you find the people to profile, Janet? So the first person that I profiled was actually a friend of mine who is Jason. He he lost his wife to breast cancer. And what he had done in the times that they were waiting in, in the waiting room together, they would often say, you know, wouldn't it be nice if the chemotherapy chairs were more comfortable? Or wouldn't it be nice if you know, the first time that we came to the cancer center, there was a buddy who greeted us and basically held our hand through, you know, getting our blood work done or, you know, meeting the oncologist for the first time or what have you. And so when she had passed, after a little bit of time, he got together a committee of people and generally they were their friends and family. And they decided to start holding small grassroots fundraisers to raise money for the cancer center to get some new chemotherapy beds and to establish a buddy program. And within a couple of years, he did it. He, I think for the first year, I may get this number wrong, but I think there was something like six to eight chairs that were established and chemotherapy chairs are expensive. You know, these were ones that actually reclined back. The patient is really comfortable. Their feet are up. And 
you know, it was a very different experience than what the center had leading up to that. So, and he's, you know, continues to fundraise. He called it the Tory Day Fund, Tory being named after his late wife. And so, yeah, so he was a real inspiration to me. So I thought, you know, out of, if I'm going to do this, I'd like to start off with somebody who, who has a story like his, and he luckily agreed. And then from that, you know, a couple of people read his story and then they suggested people to me. And then from those suggestions, I got people writing me on Twitter saying, hey, maybe, you know, there might be a story here that you might be interested in hearing. Like there was a woman, you're in Florida, she's in Florida as well. Her name is Susan. And she wrote me to say that she had lost her husband to AIDS during their marriage. They they were childhood sweethearts. They married, I think, just after high school. And, but during their marriage, he had affairs, uh, homosexual affairs, and she stood by him through all of it, through all of his treatments, his HIV, his AIDS. And then when he passed, she then became an outspoken advocate for hospice care, for HIV, for AIDS, for safe sex. And she's a senior. And I thought, wow, like this woman wrote me, like, this is amazing. So who else is out there? I kept wondering. And so, you know, it's a variety of ways, Lee. It's, you know, there are people that I might spot somewhere and, you know, say, oh, you know, you look like, you know, you might have a bit of a story to tell, you know, they might be like somebody, you know, there was a driver who I met who, you know, immigrated here from a war torn country. And well, what's that like, you know, and he set up a life for himself here. And, you know, these are, to me, really challenging, difficult situations. And the the focus for me too, is that the people need to be ordinary. You know, I don't, as much as I love watching entertainment tonight, and I love hearing Oprah give advice on, you know, what to do when you're sad, or, you know, have something, you know, hard happening in your life. I find it's the ordinary people that I learn the most from. So that's the focus. What have you learned from from undertaking this project? What have I learned? I think I've learned that having a sense of community around you is everything. And having positive people in your life is the most important in all that. So it's one thing to have a whole bunch of friends. But, you know, if you have people that are in your ear saying, oh, how are you doing that? Why are you doing that? And that doesn't help. You know, it's the people that are truly there for you who are positive. And I think, you know, out of everybody that I've, that I've talked to for this project, that's the one consistent message that they say, you know, they've always had people that have always lifted them and supported, supported them, no matter what their decisions were. So, and I think that that means a lot. You need the positive people in your life. Here, here. I couldn't agree more. As you think back to all the amazing people you've talked to, is there one that just comes to mind that just really kind of touched you in a deep place that you would say, you know, this is one I'll never forget? Well, I would say Ellie Gotts was one. A friend of mine actually recommended him to me. Uh, Her daughter had Ellie speak at her high school. And she said, you know, I think you'd really like this guy. I don't know how you can find him. And I said, oh, don't worry. You can find people on the internet very easily. (laughs) So (laughs) just give me his name. And so I found him. I wrote him on Facebook. And Ellie is a Holocaust survivor. 
He grew up in Lithuania, and as a teenager, he was sent to the concentration camps. And he and I met for morning coffee and breakfast. And, you know, he's just a lovely person. So I didn't really know what to expect, although I did know that he would have a real amazing presence. He's spoken, I think, annually, he speaks to over 200 schools. And he's 90. Wow. Yeah, he's he's pretty amazing. So just spending the time with him and knowing, you know, what his teenage years were like, I knew what my teenage years were like. And I mean, there's just no comparison. So, but the fact that he was able, he, he, he's very honest about saying that, you know, when, when the war was over and, and they were released, that he did have have a lot of hate in his heart, but he was able to let go of that because he realized that, it wasn't going to serve him any sort of a positive purpose in his life. So by by leaving the hate behind and finding the happiness, it just, it struck me. I thought, how can you do that given what you've seen and your experiences? But, you know, the fact that he had that resolve and, and that mindset, it really, I always think about him. And, you know, to this day, I spoke to him about a year ago, and we still keep in touch. So, and I consider that a real blessing in my life that I get to meet these people and that, you know, they just have impacted me this way. Wow. What do, what do you see long-term or what do, you, what do you hope to see with resilient people, say a couple of years down the road? Where would you like to take this? Uh, I would, you know what, I mean, ideally, if I could have my dream, I think if I could somehow get Netflix on board to do video stories of these people, I think it would be fantastic. Wow. A book would be really great. You know, in the meantime, continuing the stories for sure and sharing them. Just, you know, I'm I'm learning this whole social media space and, you know, how to get this this news out. But, you know, so far in a year, the response has been really positive. No one has ever said, why are you doing this? You know, so <laughs> that just keeps me going. So, yeah. So, I mean, if there, were, if there could be some way to get it on a bigger platform, that would be great. So if Netflix is ever listening. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that would be a very compelling show. No doubt about it. Well, listen, Janet, I I really appreciate, again, you reaching out to me and uh, quickly become a fan of your work. And I'm going to continue to follow where Resilient People goes because uh, we all need a little inspiration in our lives. And you're doing an amazing job in providing that and sharing these incredible stories. And uh, besides that, and definitely more importantly, I wish, you know, every day ahead with you and your husband and your family is a great day and, and just continued good results and scans. And thank you for allowing me to share your story. Thank you so much, Lee. You know, and it's right back at you. The work that you're doing with your podcast, we have cancer, it's just amazing. So I love listening to the interviews and I wish you continued success. Be well. Thank you, you too. The calendar is full of great and fun events, all that benefit the Colon Cancer Coalition. Let me go through the upcoming events coming up within the next month or so. On Saturday, September 21st is the Get Your Rear and Gear 
run walk event in Seattle, Washington at Redmond Central Connector, actually in Redmond, Washington. And on Sunday, we have a dual event in Richfield, Minnesota, the Twin Cities. It's a 5K run walk and Tour de Touche bike ride. Also on Sunday, the 22nd, is the Get Your Rearing Gear event in Kansas City at Zona Rosa. And there is a minor league baseball game in Sugarland, Texas, where the proceeds will benefit Get Your Rearing Gear Houston. And this is between the Sugarland Skeeters and Southern Maryland Blue Crabs, taking place at Constellation Field. On Saturday, September 28th, is the Get Your Rearing Gear event at Grand Rapids, in Grand Rapids, Michigan, rather, at Millennium Park. Saturday, October 5th, the Get Your Rear and Gear event at Las Vegas, Nevada at Cornerstone Park in Henderson, Nevada. Following Saturday, Get Your Rear and Gear event in Indianapolis at Eagle Creek Park Beach, as well as in Milwaukee at Wauwatosa, Wisconsin at Rotary Performance Pavilion. And on Sunday, October 20th, is the Get Your Rear and Gear 5K Run Walk Kids Fun Run in New York City at Riverside Park. And those are your upcoming events to benefit the Colon Cancer Coalition. For more information on these and other future events, visit the Colon Cancer Coalition website at coloncancercoalition.org. Thank you for listening to We Have Cancer, and thank you to our sponsor, the Colon Cancer Coalition, for your support. You can subscribe to We Have Cancer by visiting Apple Podcasts, Google Podcast, Stitcher Radio, or Spotify. And you can find us on social media by visiting our Facebook page at We Have Cancer Show and at We Have Cancer Pod on both Instagram and Twitter. We Have Cancer is a proud supporter of Genie's Blue Angels, providing financial support to those affected by colorectal cancer.